Welcome to Wellspring Church Podcast. We're an international church family who wants to see Jesus' love transform communities. This recording is a sermon from our Sunday service and will take you deeper into the Bible in a real and relevant way. Amen. Thank you so much. And uh, I consider it a great honor to open God's word with you. Um, I've never felt anything set up quite like, uh, you know, if you go to a restaurant and the meal's good, uh, the waiter kind of looks at you as uh, how, how good's the tip going to be. Um, I don't want it to feel like that at all, but with what you just said, if there's someone, no, I'm just joking. <laughs> Listen, what are, what are the trustees going to do, fire me? So I think we're good, aren't we? We're all right. I feel like I could say anything today and I could lose my job, but... Uh, there we go. Uh, I want to say thank you for all the thank yous. And that's kind of how family is, isn't it? You thank, and then you thank, and then you give, and you give, and you receive, and you give, and you thank. And it feels like that is how it's meant to be, that we keep just reciprocating, giving our best to God and to each other. Uh, Helen and I are really grateful um, for your generosity to us. Uh, in July, I started this series uh, on passing the baton. And the first message on July the 2nd was about the timelessness of God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was, who is, and who is to come. And so whenever we come to change in our lives, we can, our, our anchor is the timelessness of God, is that he's already gone before and he's seen behind, and he's the Alpha and the Omega, he's the beginning and the end, and so the work he started in you personally, and he has, even if you've not given him any credit yet, he's work in your life by you even being here today. The work he started in you, he will, he will carry it through to completion because he's the, he's the beginning and the end. He's the finisher as well as the author. And that's true for you, David. The work God's begun in you he will carry it through to completion. That's same for me and for Helen. It, the, what he's begun in us, he'll carry it through to completion. And so too for us as a church, the timelessness of God. Secondly, I spoke about the timeliness of transition. And in particular, how God through the kindness of his prophetic uh, word through different people that unsuspecting, unknowing, were able to confirm to us what we felt God saying and that this was the time. Now is the time for us to uh, have this leadership transition. And for Helen and I to hand over the senior leadership baton to David, where we come today is a timely thing. We recognize not only the timelessness of God, but this is a timely moment. And what a joy to be here to witness it. Amen. Uh, last week, I picked this whole thread up and talked about the treasure of together. Is that, that we are part of the body of Christ. And Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, each person, each of you is part of it. I want to say to you today that whilst the focus for a moment may be on the transition of some leadership responsibility, what happens today is not that David becomes more valuable to God, not that he becomes more loved by God, and certainly he doesn't become all of a sudden more valuable uh, to this church family. He just is stepping into a new role. And so as he does that, what we're celebrating is the fact that we are the body of Christ and each of us is part of it. Amen? So the people around you are equally part, if you are in Christ, of the body of Christ, of the church, uh, even as we celebrate this leadership transition. 
And uh, this is my fourth message, and I've run out of words that begin with T. I, I'm really sorry, I just, I, I kept on looking and nothing could work. So the title for today's message is Follow Him. Follow Him. Now, I, I want to say a few things later about following Him, but we're going to follow Him in as much as we follow Him. The capital H is all important. We're here today talking about following Him. Now, we're going to look at Matthew 19 and 20 for a few moments. In Matthew 19, Jesus starts a conversation. In fact, he starts in the minds of the 12 apostles, he starts them thinking about a couple of things. He starts them thinking about the end of the world, about what happens when his kingdom finally comes, a moment they were all longing for. So he starts them talking about the end of the world. And then he says, in Matthew 19, he says, And you, my apostles, you will sit on 12 thrones and you will judge the people of Israel. So they're beginning to imagine themselves in a position of great authority. They're imagining themselves what it's like to be, you know, one of Jesus' eternal kind of rulers. That's what he, he starts. So Jesus can be blamed, if you like, for starting the conversation and in verse 17 of Matthew 19, he talks about the end of their world because he begins talking about the fact that he's going to go to Jerusalem. And when he goes to Jerusalem, they're not going to like what happens because, because of God's purposes, he says, we're going to go to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, talking about himself, will be betrayed by the leading priests and teachers of religious law. So the religious leaders are going to uh, betray him. Then he says, they will sentence him to die. Then they'll hand him over to the Romans to be mocked. So, so both the Roman authorities and the Jewish authorities are going to collaborate in such a way as that Jesus not only suffers a bit, but actually he'll be flogged with a whip and crucified. But on the third day, he'll be raised from the dead. So that's the context of the passage we're going to look at. I then want to turn to chapter 20, um, verse, four, verse 20. So that was in the middle of uh, Matthew 20. We're now going to go to verse 20, and it should come up on the screen. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, so this is Mrs. Zebedee. We never find out her name. I, said, I feel that's a bit unfair on her, actually. Come on, Matthew. Anyway, Mrs. Zebedee came to Jesus with her sons. So maybe Mrs. Zebedee hang out, hangs out with Jesus as part of his entourage, and she, she pulls him aside with James and John. Now, James and John were known and called by Jesus. Their nickname was the Sons of Thunder, because they were always arguing. Has anyone got a sibling that they argue with? I'm not looking on the front row here. Look, that hand went up so strong, so it's like, yes, I cannot stand my brothers. And they cannot stand me. Is that right? Is that what you're saying, Tim? I saw that hand. <laughs> this sibling rivalry, James and John. So the mother comes with James and John so that Jesus knows who she's talking about. Of course he knows. And she says this. She kneels respectfully to ask a favor. What's your request, he asks. Jesus sees that they're coming. All right. All right, Mrs. Zebedee. What, what do you want? And this is what he says. He says, uh, this is what she says. In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. Wow. 
And you need to understand, in that day, the king sat on a throne and at the right end were the most, the most important people, the people that had the highest authority. So she's thinking about her legacy with her sons. But Jesus answered them by saying, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of, bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? And they go, oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes, of course we are. They're not going to say no, are they? Their mum is about to get them the best gig in eternity. And that is sitting on the right and, hand, right and left hand of Jesus, the ruler of the universe. Of course they're going to say yes. Oh, yeah, 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 we're good, we're good. Honestly, Jesus, uh, I mean, James is a bit of a numpty, but John says, you know, I, I'm good for this. And James is like, well, I'm not sure John deserves this, but guess what? I can handle anything you want to give me, Jesus. We can take your cup of suffering. And Jesus says, uh, oh, yes, they replied. Jesus said, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. Wow. It's not going to taste good. It's not wine in there. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, so they're outside and say, what's Mrs. Zebedee doing with James and John? What, why, are they, why are they going? What, what was that? Come on, what was all that about, James? Oh, well, I don't want to really say. Well, John, John, what was all that about? And they hear, they hear this. And it says that they were indignant. I reckon they were just annoyed that they weren't those to ask. Do you know what I mean? I just think, oh, do you know what? If there's a special seat, we're behind the line. Have you ever done that before? Have you ever got, you know, you're queuing up for something and the person behind you is the last person and they've run out, you know. So the, the other disciples, they're really annoyed and indignant that they asked this. I guess they just felt they missed out. Jesus called them together and says, you know the rulers in this world lord over their people and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But, listen, let's read it together. But among you, it will be different. Is that on the screen? It is now. Praise be. Where is it on the screen? Okay, very good. Let's read that line together. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Amen? All the way through chapter 20 and other places in Matthew, there's this whole idea of the first being last. Of those that push to the front end up being pushed to the back. And those that are willing to be at the back being pushed to the front. I want to say, if you're not familiar with the teachings of Jesus, if you're not aware of the values of the kingdom, you need to understand they are topsy-turvy. They are completely against the values that's, that make most of us tick. They're against most of the powers and the forces that are at work to push us towards careers, to push us towards some vision of success. I want to tell you today that in the kingdom of God, it is different. And among us, it is different, and it should be different, is that those who push themselves first will be last, and those, amazingly, that Jesus sees at the end of the queue, he lovingly brings them to the front. Hallelujah. And it's not by human merit, it's by the topsy-turvy values of the kingdom. Now, I have to confess something. I was meant to set this up properly by priming some people, um, but I failed at that. So, uh, so I'm going to look for some volunteers that I know won't hate me, and if they do hate me, then make it quick. You'll have to forgive me very quickly. Um, okay, Anthony Brown, would you come and stand up here for me? Let's welcome Anthony. And uh, Femi, can you do that job and that? And uh, who else can I pick on? Uh, Shireen, come, come, Shireen, come and join me here. Come on, quick, 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 quick. Don't have much time. 
Okay. Um, so Ant let's see. Anthony's first. So he is Jesus, right? Ah. Uh, humble now. All right, come and stand. Come and stand forward here so everyone can see you. And uh, you, you can be Joanna, all right? Not, not, not John. That doesn't really fit. Joanna fits. And uh, you can be James, all right? So come and stand here. Now, this is, what, this, is what Mary, this is what Mrs. Zebedee does, is that she imagines a picture like this. Yeah, there's Jesus. But also, at, sitting at, in these places of position and authority, then you've got Joanna or John and James. And look at them. And she wants to be able to look at Jesus and see her sons, see her offspring. Listen, this is where we like to position ourselves. Too often we think that Jesus is our buddy. He's our mate. Sometimes we pray and talk to Jesus and about Jesus as if he's, I don't know, our best buddy. Now, don't get me wrong. He is our friend, but he is also the Lord of the universe. He is also the one who named the stars and can see the furthest expanse of the ever-expanding universe. Jesus is Lord. He's not your mate. Yet sometimes we find ourselves thinking that we are alongside him. And Jesus said, well, if you can drink my cup, then guess what? Come and join me. Now, this is, what, this is actually how this should work. It's just step forward for me, Jesus. Come behind and follow. Come behind and follow. Now, now who do we see? We see Jesus. Are they there? Yes. But they're there in a place where they belong. This is what the invitation is today. When it says follow him, get to a point where all we see is Jesus. You can't see James. You can't see Joanna. You can't see them. They're following him. And there's this great rabbinical saying that says, may, there's a blessing, may your feet be covered with the dust of your rabbi. In other words, may you, may you follow so closely after your rabbi that you're known as a disciple of his because as he kicks up dust from where he's walking, it lands on you. What a beautiful blessing. What an invitation it is today to David Dodwell to follow him. And we might not always see him. We don't need to see you if we can see Jesus. So the invitation today is for all of us in our lives. And if you don't know Jesus, I want to encourage you today, fall in line. Fall in line. Today is an opportunity to fall in line with the creator of the universe. Not Anthony, but Jesus in this instance. Follow him. And it doesn't matter if people see us. It really doesn't. Because the first is the first. And his name is Jesus. And he showed by his life what it means to follow him. Let's show our appreciation to our wonderful, thank you. You stood really well. Great standing. <laughs> Do you know, he is the Lord and leader. Wellspring Church will always have the same leader. Can I hear any amens at the back? I know, I know it's hot here. Look, it's even hotter up here because all the heat from you is just coming right towards me. Can I say that again? There will always be the same leader of Wellspring Church, and his name is Jesus. And our determination today is to say, by his grace, Lord, help us to follow you. Our confidence is in David, in who God has made you to be. We do. That's okay. But we're here because of our ultimate confidence in Jesus, our leader. There's four invitations, and then we're going to invite uh, the kids to come back in, and we're going to pray. Four quick invitations. 
Firstly, follow him full of fire. Wellspring Church, we're going to follow Jesus. The invitation is not to follow him in our own strength, but follow him full of fire. By that, I mean the fire of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is talked about in many different ways. There's a wind, talked about as the living water that Jesus promised in John chapter 4. But today I just want to say, may, may we follow him full of fire. David, follow him full of fire. Full of the fire of the Holy Spirit that burns so strongly in you, people might not understand it. It might seem strange. It might seem over-enthusiastic. Don't let a single person dampen the fire that's within you. Follow him full of fire. Wellspring Church says, follow him full of fire. Yes, it makes people uncomfortable. We gather like this and everyone's waving their hands around and getting excited and waving banners and nearly killing worship leaders. Uh, that, that's the fire of God that wasn't risk assessed, um, but beautiful nonetheless. Full of fire, church. Full of the fire of the Holy Spirit. That is a choice. That is a choice. You have to go to the Lord again and again and again and again and again and again, saying, fill us again, Lord. Fill us again. Fill us again. Never, we must never let the fire of the Holy Spirit grow dim in each of us individually or in us corporately. The Holy Spirit is who you need to follow Jesus. He will guide your steps. He will inspire your thoughts and your dreams. And not everyone needs to understand, but they'll say, do you know, it's something about those people, it's something about that leader, about that couple that are full of the fire of God. Uh, you know, you don't need to understand it to know it's real. So keep your fire. Secondly, follow him and bless nations. Jesus is a missionary always on the move. Always on the move. Think about that. He, he, for three years of his ministry, he didn't have a fixed abode constantly because he was full of fire. Jesus went from Capernaum to Nazareth. He went back and forth to Jerusalem to keep telling people about the cross and what was going to happen. He traveled, he traveled miles and miles and miles unpredictably. People went to find him. It's like, where's Jesus gone? Well, he's gone to pray. Oh, he's gone to some other towns. He's gone somewhere else to do his mission. He was always on the move. I'm telling you, Wellspring Church, Jesus, if we're following him, he's always on the move. And we must continue to follow him to the nations. We must continue to build partnerships with brothers and sisters in other nations and cross the cultural boundaries as the Lord leads us. So keep building partnerships. Keep blessing the nations. Blessing the nations. Not being all kind of white savior about it, but genuinely, lovingly, as the Lord leads, let's bless the nations. There is something in the DNA of this church that far goes before Helen and my leadership. We inherited this. There's something in the ground underneath Wellspring that is meant to bless the nations. So don't let that die. Don't put all the money just into local mission when we could be sending money to help mission elsewhere. Uh, as we've got Moe Zubda here from Burkina Faso, we have seen at least 10. I reckon it's more than that because my list of villages is longer than yours. Uh, of the 40 or so churches that Moe's has planted in Burkina Faso, in Mali, in Cote d'Ivoire, we've partnered at least with 10 of those. There's villages now that have churches because we chose to bless the nations. So let's keep blessing the nations. I know there's some great stuff going to happen in Catalonia. And we, we're going to follow you, David, as you follow him to bless the nations. I heard this week about John and Charles Wesley, the founders of Methodism. And it was said something like this about that movement. 
is that the Christian experience, it begins with a domestic affair, but ends with a foreign policy. I love that. Isn't that amazing? Walking with Jesus begins in here. It begins in our guts. It begins as God does a redeeming work in us. But guess what? Before long, we are obsessed with his work in the nations. So we're not only going to follow him full of fire, but we're going to follow him and bless the, the nations. At the end of Matthew 28, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. Yes, we're following him. Now go, therefore go. So let's keep going. Thirdly, follow him and wash feet. Jesus had a serving towel over his arm wherever he went. And in that famous passage in John's gospel where he went into a room and everyone was so interested in themselves or their own comfort or the weariness of the journey, no one washed feet. And Jesus famously got down on his knees, took off some of his outer clothing and got a towel and he washed his disciples' feet. Even Judas' feet, the one who betrayed him. Jesus, uh, David, keep washing feet. You're going to wash feet of people that will say will protect your back and they'll turn around and stab you in it. Keep washing feet. Keep washing feet. Have a serving towel on your arm wherever you go. Wellspring Church, have a serving towel on your arm wherever you go. Let's keep washing feet. Wash each other's feet, the tired, soiled feet, the weary feet. Keep doing that. Uh, you may have, we've obviously talked about passing the baton, but uh, some of us, well, is there an actual baton? And I thought of getting a shiny one with the Wellspring Church logo on it in, in bright blue, like these balloons or something. And as I was praying, this is what I saw, and I've found somebody to do this um, for us. And this is the baton. And uh, can we have that on the screen? We can. And it quotes Matthew 20, verse 28. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. David, this is the baton I'm handing to you. It's not shiny and metallic. It looks a bit old-fashioned. It's just a piece of wood. But there's a difference between a golden and a wooden cross. There's a difference between a shiny, easy-to-carry aluminium baton and this. It's heavier in the hand. But my prayer as I pass this to you later is that you will take up the mantle, not to be the best leader in the world, not to improve anything under human pressure, but simply to serve. Because the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So when you accept the baton, that is the baton I can pass you. I can't pass you a lot of leadership expertise. I can't pass you. In fact, I've thrown away most of my sermon notes. I can't even give those to you. They're all gone, but that's the baton I pass. The Son of Man came not to be served. So we're going to follow him full of fire. We're going to follow him and bless nations. We're going to follow him and wash feet. And finally, follow him and live boldly. Live boldly. Dorothy Thornhill, the mayor of Watford, uh, when she first was successful in her election, she dusted off the coat of arms that was uh, the... Uh, the kind of uh, for the town she got rid of the dreadful logo that Vince Musprat had introduced and she quickly got rid of that and uh, she found the coat of arms and on it there was a word from the uh, Odyssey one of the Odysseys in it says al dentior which means with great boldness and that became on that might be on your wheelie bin somewhere in fact if you're in Watford and uh, that's been updated and it just says this be bold 
That is an invitation to us as a church. It's an invitation to all the churches in our town. David, it's an invitation to you. Be bold. Follow him and live boldly. With your life, live boldly. Don't give in to all the, you know, this is what's going to happen, right? Because I just can say from experience, people think, oh, David, he looks young. He's older than he looks, by the way. Oh, he looks young. He, now, I can tell him exactly how he needs to run the church. I can tell him how he needs to do anything. Now Tim and Helen are out of the way in leadership. Then guess what? I'm going to tell him how he can finally do things the, the right way. David, people are going to try and bend your arm. They're going to try and nudge you and push you or whatever. Listen, I'm inviting you in this congregation to live boldly. Follow him. Even if it doesn't make sense to other people. Be accountable in your team. And with other leaders, we'll talk about that in a moment. But I want to encourage you to live boldly. And that means challenging the popular thought of the day. It means saying things that are not popular, that won't get you loads of likes on Facebook, that probably will lose you some friends. Because some of the things that you're going to hold on because of your love for the word are going to get you in trouble with some people in this world. I'm telling you, please live boldly. Follow him and you will live boldly. Challenge the popular thinking. Dream big dreams. Have audacious plans. Some final thoughts. On the 10th of January, 2019, um, quite amazing as a location for this to happen. Uh, David and I had the privilege to go to the top of Charter House, which is the YMCA building in the center of Watford. I've been up there many times myself to pray because I knew the chief executive, uh, who's now my boss, but um, that's not how that happened. But anyway, uh, went up to pray. And on one occasion in the beginning of January, we, Dave and I wanted to start the year kind of praying over the town. And we stood up on top of the YMCA building there, and uh, there was a cross there. In fact, that fell down in a storm last year. And I'm glad to say, is this amazing timing? Next week, or, the week, or 10 days' time, a new cross that's 20 foot tall is going on the top of the building. Uh, and that's, that's amazing, isn't it? So, but anyway, in the light of the cross, in the shadow of the cross, we were praying over the town, and I stood back. And David was praying over the town as if it was his own family, praying and speaking life over every co- over the college and the schools and the hospitals and the neighborhoods and the businesses and the shops. And he was praying with great authority. And I remember standing there in that moment, and I just knew in my spirit that he's ready. Now is the time for this man to, take, to, to begin a process of proper transition into this day to get to this point. Now, COVID happened, and there's a whole load of other nonsense that just pushed our timeline back. But I believe that today is the day, David, appointed by God. I don't understand it all. But I know that the invitation there was to live boldly. And the way you prayed over the town is the way you feel for Jesus and the way you feel for your family and for people around you. So keep living boldly. As for Helen and I, we're just following Jesus. And I'm so privileged to serve as part of the YMCA leadership team as the head of Christian mission and culture and have opportunities to see the sea restored in the YMCA, not just locally, but nationally, across Europe, and now across the world. Uh, It's a new assignment. So as I carry this baton, Helen and I run with this. Do you know what? Um, We're going to keep running. Not away, (laughs) although we might for a while, maybe Devon or something. But anyway, um, 
we're going to keep running. And by God's grace and by his amazing faithfulness, Helen and I both are not finished. God has assignments for us that he's employed us with, and we're running. And we're going to keep living boldly. Hallelujah. Lord, help us. So finally, this is for you, David. Keep following him. That's all you need to do. There's some great books about leadership. David Shearman's written a good one, if you haven't read it, called Unstoppable Church. There's a thousand great books. We'll send you on conferences and all that kind of stuff, but just keep following him. I know you will. To Wellspring, I want to say as a member of Wellspring Church, tomorrow just as much as today, let's follow him. And yes, also I want to say, Let's follow him as we follow him. Let's give him the best of our talents, our treasure, our time, and give those for David to steer wellspring into the next season. And I foresee a day when this hall will not be big enough to carry the number of people that have discovered the love of Christ through the ministry of this church family in Jesus' name. And the final, final thing, I want to speak to you individually if, if you are competing for a position of authority in your life, if you're trying to keep Jesus to your side instead of being covered by his dust, I simply want to say to you as lovingly as I can, get in line today. Get in line. And if you're not a follower of Christ, listen, just a bit of advice to you. You can do whatever you like to make your own priorities, to set your own agenda, to build your own career, to get your own money. You can do a whole load of stuff for yourself. But I'm telling you, in the end, from an eternal perspective, you will fail. And I would hate that for you. So I want to simply appeal to you to say what Jesus said many times. Listen, if you want to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. And not because he's arrogant, but because he is true. And he knows what's really true. And he says, among you it will be different. Among you, the first will be last. If you feel like you're last, we'll step in line and you'll find yourself taken up with something that's bigger than yourself. It might not look as good. It might not earn you as much money. In fact, it will cost you a lot of money. But it will be worth it. So my dear friends, if today you're not following Jesus... Step in line. The only position that matters, we're all positioning ourselves, the only position that matters today is that all of us follow him. And may it be the case that people look at you and look at us, but actually they can't see us fully because there's this Jesus standing in the way. And if visualizing Anthony Brown as Jesus has helped you in any way, I'm sure he's glad to be of service. It doesn't matter if people see you, if people see Jesus. Hallelujah. So Lord, in this holy moment, we say, have your way. And I want to pray for anyone in this room that finds themselves asunder and without a leader, without a purpose. I pray that they would return to you and find in you the greatest purpose that ever existed. And Lord, we pray as we step into this, as we worship together, as we come to a place of humility before you, and as David receives this baton, we pray, God, that you would keep us close to you 
And Lord, may our feet be covered by the dust from yours. Amen. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing together. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed and encouraged by what you've heard. If you'd like to know more about Jesus, Wellspring Church, or how you can grow with others in faith, connect with us by clicking the link in the episode description or joining us on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. in person and online.